Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 4 of a fanfiction titled Connecting Lines, Connecting Crimes by today's guest fanfiction writer, Sleep Static. In a small village in the Polani Hills, deep in the heart of the Western Ghats, we found our second clue. Barrel-like, thatched huts dotted the sloping terrain, and people walked about carrying produce and tending to animals. The wicks inside is a bit further, I think, Draco murmured, consulting his map. It's where the ley lines are failing. We found two women at the site, sitting cross-legged on the ground. They were young, shy, with long, thick hair braided down their backs. They wore a skirt like mundus and colorful blouses in the traditional fashion, with jars of honey and bundles of grain laid out on the floor, presumably for sale. Parvati, I said, beckoning for her. You're up. She stepped towards the women with a notepad and began interviewing them. They were happy to talk while the rest of us watched. I understood bits and pieces, but most of it was foreign. People stared at us as they walked by, and not for the first time I wished I could speak Palayan so I could be helping instead of standing around. I never did have Parvati's flair for languages or the patience to learn. Harry, Parvati said. She came back and nodded to the others. She wants to show us something. One of the women took us a few meters away, behind a clearing of tree stumps. The floor was blackened with soot, and the air itself was gray. The woman chanted something with her eyes closed, and it was like a veil was lifted. A darkness so thick, it was like a void lay inside the area, like the black holes the muggles talked about, expanding for miles. It seemed to float around the edges, a giant, amorphous, amoeboid darkness that trickled out ever so slightly into the open. What is that? Pansy asked, horrified. Is it alive? Parvati repeated the question, and the woman shook her head. We took some pictures and studied the area. The woman answered most of our questions, solemn but thorough. She invited us back to her hut, and we sat on the floor as she brought us milk in earthen cups, thick and creamy and delicious. Is there anything else you'd like to know? She asked kindly. No, thank you, Amma, Parvati responded, inclining her head low in a sign of respect. We bade our goodbyes to her and she watched us leave, standing by the doorway as she tucked her saudi tighter. I was struck then by her generosity, her kindness, even in the face of such adversity. She hadn't asked for much. Her face was weathered with age and weariness, like she'd long since stopped hoping for aid, like she knew it wasn't coming. They deserve better, Parvati said sadly. We're failing them all. I squeezed her hand, watching the woman limp away. I knew she was right. This is what we'd learned, that the darkness was smoke, highly concentrated smoke, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide. It had been growing within the clearing for centuries, 
According to legend, it descended first as a cloud from the sky, turning the crops to ash and the soil uncultivable. The elders of the village then gathered together and banished the smoke to the clearing where it amassed slowly through the years. And now it was leaking out over the fields because the charms were failing. The ley lines were failing. To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the first episode of Fanfic Maverick for 2024. I have a feeling that this new year is gonna be lit. Today's guest fan fiction writer is Sleep Static. She has been a member of AO3 since 2018 and has 31 fan fictions posted under this screen name for Indian History RPF, Tennis RPF, Avatar the Next Airbender, and Harry Potter. Sleep Static loves traveling, reading, and playing the piano. Hell yes! Sleep Static. Welcome to the Fanfic Maverick. How are you today? Hi, I'm good and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are so, so welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me about fandom and fanfiction and all of the cool things that we're going to be discussing today. I did want to ask you one thing before we get started, though. Um, I love that you play the piano. I play the piano as well. And I was just wondering, what is your favorite thing to play on the piano? Okay, I love this question. Thank you so much for asking. So I love Baroque music and particularly Bach. I like Bach a lot because, so this is a bit of, I I don't know if a lot of people will agree, but I like Baroque music because there is less like dynamic interpretation to it, less like timing wise interpretation that you can do to it. So it's mostly it's it's much more rigid, like in comparison to romantic music, or even um, the classical era of music. So it's just notes and it's just rhythm and the rhythm is great. So it's really nice. So I really like to play Bach. I love that. (laughs) I also really like ragtime music. So Scott Joplin, one of my all time faves. Um, so it, I feel like ragtime combines the best of jazz with classical music. So there's sheet music that I can read because I'm the worst at improvisation. But at the same time, it has that kind of that um, snappy quality to it that's so fun to play. And also the tunes are so interesting. So I, um, these are the two types of music that I love to play. I love that answer. I love that. And very impressive, actually, because... I remember when I was still taking lessons when I was a kid, you know, my teacher was trying to teach me um, Scott Joplin, and I could never perfect it because that finger work that's required to play Scott Joplin is like, it's so fast, you know, and my little fingers were tripping all over the place. I tried. I tried. But um, that's so impressive because, yeah, that takes a lot of skill. And I agree with you about Baroque music as well. And Bach, you know, I feel like Baroque music on the piano is very mathematical. 
compared to some of the others, right? So yeah, it's like, it's math music. It makes sense, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, you know, I remember like when I used to take classes and my teacher would be like, feel the music. I don't know how to feel the music. <laughs> I'm just playing with, I mean, some people can do that beautifully, right? But for me, I need like instructions and notes. I need something that I can follow perfectly. So the rock music is perfect for that. So yeah, no one ever tells me to feel baroque music, you know, so that's why I love it. Yes, I totally agreed. I, I remember playing a lot of Bach when I was playing the piano too. So I love that answer. That's perfect. But, you know, of course, we are here to talk about fan fiction and fandom and all of that. So my first question for you today, of course, is how did you first get into fandom? And then how did you discover fan fiction for the first time? I always love to hear what people thought and felt when they first discovered fan fiction. So tell us all about that. Okay. So to be completely honest, I do not remember how I stumbled into fandom because it was over a decade ago and I kind of dipped in, in and out of fandom through the years. But I remember the first time I ever found fan fiction, I think it was it was fan fiction for this anime called Fairy Tale, which so and this was back in the day when like there was I don't remember AO3 being there or maybe it was then I didn't know about it. But I was only reading on fanfiction.net and I kind of found this space and they used the lemon tag system. So that's so that's how I started and that's how I got into it. And then I used to read like a bunch of fairy tale fan fiction. And then I got out of it and then I got in. So through the years, I would drop in, drop out. And I also don't remember how I found Rari. Um, so my favorite pairing in the Harry Potter fandom, which is what I write predominantly for, is Rari, which you can probably see from the amount of Rari stuff that I've written. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I found it, I think, through LiveJournal. So again, live journal days, and I did not know anybody. So I didn't have a functioning Tumblr. I had a Tumblr, but I didn't know who to follow. I didn't know anything. And no one around me was really into fandom as well. It was a very solitary activity for me. So I used to go on like live journal, and there used to be these rec lists that people in the fandom would compile, particularly this one user called Capiturex. I hope I'm pronouncing their name right but so I found them and I would go through all of their reckless and then I would find like the people that were kind of linked in their pages and go to them so this is how I would find like other fanfics to read but throughout the whole thing fanfic was always fandom itself was a really solitary activity for me because I was not engaging with people I was just reading fics so I had no idea who these people were who were posting these things, why they were doing it. Where, I, I didn't even know there was a community. And then some of these fix would start to link back to AO3. So from LiveJournal, I moved to AO3 because a lot of fix were then being posted there. And then I remember, I remember seeing like these works in collections and it would say stuff like, this work is a part of X fest or this fest. And I would always wonder, like, what is a fest? I don't know these words, but I, and I would try and find out. 
but I, I never could really understand what these fests were and all the people in the comment section talking, I was always really shy. I was too shy to kind of introduce myself. So I, w- I was always a lurker, but I would leave a lot of kudos. And then I think around a year ago, maybe a year or two years ago, I accidentally stumbled upon a Jerry Fest, which was being advertised on Tumblr. So then I found this Jari Discord, like the Fest Discord. And then from the Fest Discord, I went to the main Jari server. And Ooh. oh my God, I, I cannot <laughs> tell you. Like when I, it was like, I was, it was like the whole time, this whole time I was living in a blank room like just white everywhere. And then there's this door and I finally figured out how to open it. And then I step into this world of color because that's how it felt. Like there was just all these people and they were, um, they were interacting and there were so many, like I finally, after like 10 years, I figured out what a fest was. And I, I learned what a beta reader was, what an alpha reader was and what a cheerleader was. I learned all these different fandom concepts, like what is an AU? What is, okay, I can't remember any other uh, abbreviations, but there are many. And I finally figured out what all of these things mean, like, you know, fandom lingo. And it was just so amazing. Like, I met so many wonderful people and we got to talk about, like, we started out talking about fandom. And then that was when I decided, or that was the first time I really got interested, like, I I felt like writing something. I, I'd always mm-hmm. been interested in reading, but it was only after I joined this community of people who were creating that I myself felt the urge to create because everyone around me is so encouraging and so sweet and kind and they're always lifting each other up and they're always providing great feedback. So I was like, okay, now like this is a, like a wonderful space, a safe space where I can create. So that's when I started writing. And okay, um, also, before I finish this answer, sorry, it's gotten away from me. This I didn't mean for it to be this long. But I do also have to mention that simultaneously, while I joined the Jerry server, almost at around the exact same time, I joined this tennis RPF server. And I forgot to mention, but I'm actually a huge sports fan, particularly tennis and cricket and also Formula One. I love these are my like favorite sports. So I was just on Tumblr looking through tennis things and I found this tennis Discord server. And the first thing that I ever wrote for fandom was were tennis RPF. Oh yes, 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 yes. And it's so strange because I didn't think I'd ever write RPF, but then I joined the tennis Discord server and, and I started talking on there way earlier than I started talking on the Harry Potter server simply because the tennis server was way smaller. It was like a very small, tight-knit group of people. And I loved them all so dearly. And so they kind of got me out of my shell. Whereas, you know, Harry Potter, it's such a big fandom, right? It can be really intimidating in the beginning. So I was, and they were really sweet. Like my tennis friends, I still, like, we still, you know, interact. And I still write for the tennis RPF fandom. But yeah, so they were so sweet and they were talking about their own work. And I was just like, oh my God, I also want to write something. So then that's how I started writing. 
And writing for tennis RPFs gave me the confidence to dip my toes in Harry Potter. And after that is when I joined my first fest. So that is my fandom journey. Oh my God. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this sounds like you started writing fairly recently, like in the last couple of years then. Yes, 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 yes. <gasps> oh my God. No, that's amazing. That's amazing because like, I mean, obviously I was going to say this, you know, as we were discussing some of your fix that we'll be talking about today, but your writing is beautiful. Like I never would have guessed that this is something that you picked up in the last couple of years. That's amazing. I love that. That's so sweet of you to say. Thank you. I'm so happy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that was your journey, though, because you got to experience a lot of the same things that a lot of us did. You know, you discovered your first fan fiction on fanfiction.net like a lot of us did. You remember the live journal days. And thank you by the way, <laughs> for mentioning the rec lists that were on LiveJournal. I don't think that those have ever been mentioned on the show before. We've talked about LiveJournal on the show before, but I don't think that we have ever mentioned how there were so many rec lists that existed on LiveJournal because LiveJournal did not have a tagging system. So, there had to be copious amounts of rec lists that heroes would put together in their spare time for the rest of us to enjoy, because that was the only way that we could navigate to other, you know, fan fictions in the fandom. You wouldn't even know about half of them existing unless somebody put them on a rec list. And I will say one more thing about that, too, is I don't know if you ever saw this but some fandoms had these very specific live journal accounts that were created and they were dedicated fic finder accounts for different fandoms. Did you ever see those? I did. I never used, the, used them for obvious reasons, but I definitely remember seeing them around. Yes. When I was um, back in the Sentinel fandom way back, you know, in the early 2000s, I stumbled upon my first live journal, like fic finder account or whatever. And it was the most magical thing that I could have ever found <laughs> on live journal because it was a tagging system with every trope that you could think of, every scenario that you could think of. And all you had to do was click on it. And then you could see all of the posts in that live journal that were dedicated or, you know, tagged with that particular tag. And that's how you could find the different fan fictions that you were looking for with specific tropes or specific themes or, you know, different things like that. And so um, shout out to everybody out there who ever ran one of those fic finder live journal accounts because you were doing God's work and like it was amazing, right? So those those were tons of fun. But do you remember at all, like, what you were thinking when you discovered your first fan fiction or, or how you felt about it when you first read it? Because, you know, some people are, like, bewildered when they first encounter fan fiction. They're like, what is this? Some people are like, oh, this is so cool. Do you remember at all what you were thinking when you first discovered it? Well, okay, that is an interesting question. I think I was definitely excited. So 
the thing that ha- I think when I was watching Sherry Tear, I think I stopped after a bit. I I couldn't because the anime was so long and I don't think I finished it. Or maybe I did finish it. But either way, I remember I was looking for more content of the show that I was watching and I couldn't find anything on it. So I was like, I was going on YouTube and watching like, okay, no, was I going on YouTube? I don't know. I'm so sorry. My memory is so, it's it's really bad. But I remember I was definitely, <laughs> yes, it's so bad. I'm really sorry. But I remember I was definitely looking for more content of it to consume and I couldn't find anything. So I did, uh, I think I just like Googled it. And I think that's how I stumbled upon the fan fiction. And then I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so great. This is more content. And then I think I figured out the concept of fan fiction pretty quickly. Like, okay, somebody is writing this based on the original show and they're uploading it. So I, I figured that out immediately. And oh my God, the next few days was just like a binge, like the biggest binge ever of me just going through all the fix in that tag or in that pairing I was just going right and and oh my god the joy that I felt when I found a long fic like something with like 50k words or 100k words and I would just get so happy and then I would like snuggle into bed with you know with a blanket and my like just my computer my laptop or whatever and just read yeah it was it was such a great like it was great I, I, I remember loving it and I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I think after a point, I had to stop because I was reading so much. And that's that's been my my whole modus operandi of fandom. Like, I used to come in, read so much, and then stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I feel like that's the modus operandi for so many of us when we get into a fandom, right? Especially at first, right? You're just so obsessed with this lovely, beautiful thing that you just found. And you're like, I must read all the stories. I've totally done that so many times. (laughs) You're totally not the only one. But I love that. I love that you recall the joy of that, the joy of finding something that was just enjoyable to you, you know, like something that made you feel happy and that you could just uh, give that to yourself and allow yourself to explore that and uh, and have a good time with it. I love that. I absolutely love that. I imagine that over the years, you've probably had many thoughts and opinions on fan fiction, especially probably as you've gotten into more of the you know, fandom communities and interacting with others and all of those Discord service and things like that, which I think is amazing. So I'm wondering about your opinions on fan fiction. In your opinion, what makes fan fiction worth writing and reading? And what makes it so special? Another question that I love. So what makes fan fiction special is, I think, just the numerous possibilities that exist within fan fiction. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is accessibility. So the first thing about the ways in which one can engage or one can create fan fiction, it's just so cool. Like, there are things that you can do in fan fiction that you could never do in published fiction or even like in any other form of media, like whether that's a TV show, a movie, a play, you can do anything in fan fiction. You don't have to follow the conventional rules of a novel or a, or a play or a script. You can just, you can do whatever you want. And 
I absolutely love the creative freedom that fan fiction gives me, both from a forms perspective as well as a, a content perspective. So con- content, I feel like, so traditional media, it's always constrained by like, you know, like marketing requirements and what is selling at the moment. But no, like fan fiction, I have read so many wacky fan fiction, like crack fics and like fics that are so funny and also fics that have like insane amounts of world building and depth and also deal with really complicated and controversial real life issues that I feel like a publisher might not take forward. So like both ends of the spectrum are present and it's just such a vast playground. And I'm still in a little bit of a disbelief that I get to play in this playground because it is just, it's just so much freedom that we get. So that is what I love about it. Like, for example, the things that I write about in my fix as well, like, so how I write is when I come across a real world, something happening in the real world or an idea, I immediately think, okay, I can put this in a fix in this way and I can put it up immediately. That kind of freedom where you can just write whatever you want and put it up for the world to see immediately, that is something that I think is unique to fan fiction in a really great way. And also the fact that fan fiction is like, it's kind of, it, it connects people in a way that you receive this kind of immediate feedback loop. Like I can put things up and people will respond immediately. People will tell you their thoughts immediately. And um, it's always like, you know, that quote that's like, when you finish a book, you wish the author was a really good friend of yours. So you could call them up and tell them just how much you loved the book. That's exactly why I started the podcast, because I wanted that experience. I totally know what you are talking about. When you read something that touched you to your very soul and you're like, I really wish I could just talk to this writer. I really wish that I could just pick up the phone and we could have a conversation. I totally get that. Right. And and that's the cool thing about fan fiction is that you can talk to the people who create all of these beautiful, beautiful stories and you can be their friends. And that's so it's like the people that I look up to are now my friends. And that's so insane. Like, I never thought that I would be friends with so many amazing creators, but like, we're all here. And so that is also something that I really love, especially when I read fics um, concerning characters of color. And I think, and I, and I read a fic and I find that it really resonates with me. I can actually reach out to the author and tell them how much a fic touched me. And I also have people saying that to me. So it, it's such a great community. So. That's another thing that I love about fan fiction. Oh my God, I love so many things about fan fiction. And I know that this is something that has been spoken about on the podcast a lot, but I do want to um, reiterate like the community aspect of fandom and fan fiction. Like I mentioned earlier, I was in fandom for a long time, but I was really alone. It was very, it was a very solitary experience for me. But after I became part of a community, my whole fandom experience has become so vibrant. And that is because like fandom and fan fiction gives you all these different avenues where you can connect with people all across the world. Like I have, like I wrote a Formula One based fic and someone from Brazil who is 
a fan of this racing driver called Ayrton Senna. So he's a really famous Brazilian racing driver. So they reached out to me in comments and was like, my dad and I, we always used to watch his races as a kid. We love him so much and we can't, and like this fic reminded us so much of him, which is like, I, I kind of, my fic was based on that racing driver. So they were like, yeah, so this fic, I really liked it because it reminded me of, of that, uh, of that experience. And I never would have imagined that me sitting in India, in South Asia, someone all the way across the world in Brazil is reading my fic and is connecting with it. And also like me connecting with other fics by authors all the way across the globe. So it's just all these different kinds of connections. It's so cool. So, and I never would have imagined that I would have the ability to communicate with people and talk to people and touch people who are across the globe and also be influenced by them in return. So that is another thing that is really cool about fan fiction. And finally, accessibility. Uh, it, it is that anybody can write fan fiction. Like you just need an internet connection and a device. And especially now, I feel like it was a bit harder to get into fandom maybe back uh, a few years ago. But now I think uh, with the internet becoming more and more commonplace and more and more people having access to the internet and also access to media. So I will say that when I was young, whatever media was released in the West would take a couple of years or maybe three or four years to kind of trickle down to the, to like South Asia, to where I live particularly. So, and, uh, so we would kind of get into these pieces of media a few years after, um, it had become kind of a hit sensation there in the West. Same thing with Harry Potter. In fact, it took quite a while to take off in India, which is where I'm from. So, which is why also it took me a while to even read Harry Potter. Whereas that isn't there anymore because of the advent of technology and like globalization and all of these things. So it's just everything's become instant. So the moment something blows up in the US or in the UK, it immediately blows up here as well. So you can get into media that much easier than before. So all of these things, all these restrictions are easing. So in that way, it's really accessible to get into fandom. And also anybody can pick up their device or their pen and paper and just start writing. And there are no, there's no like you have to be a certain level of good to start posting on AO3. So it is just open to everyone. And also fandom is so great at helping you improve your craft. Like I have definitely come a long way from my first fic. I don't mean to say that I'm a great writer or anything, but I definitely have improved. And that is thanks to all the people who have like, who've given me great feedback, who've told me ways to improve, whose writing I have like learned from as well. So it's just a great learning experience. And it's also really easy to get into. It's really accessible. So for these reasons, I think fandom and fan fiction is just so unique and special. And that's why I love it so much. I love those points so much. I love that you talk about community and connectiveness, um, especially global community and global connectedness. I think that that has just been so, 
I wish I had a better word for this, but it has been so heartwarming to me to get to connect with people all over the world. I know sometimes I get really frustrated with technology sometimes because I'm like, oh, we have so much technology. Sometimes it feels like too much. However, it also lets us do really beautiful things, too, like connect with fellow fans, our fellow friends and creatives all over the world. And that would never happen without technology, without the Internet. And it is beautiful that we get to connect with people across language barriers, across regions, across like borders and everything. And we have so many things that we can connect on and have in common. And I think that that's so beautiful. You know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit, actually? I loved all of the fics that I read that you sent me, the ones that you wrote. Thank you. But I'm thinking specifically of connecting lines and uh, connecting crimes because I really loved the way that you described the Gurudwara in that fic. As you were talking about community just now, it reminded me of that, you know, because the way you described it as this welcoming place that's for community, you know, it's for people to connect. Anyone can come and eat. And it's the same with fandom, right? Global fandom. Anybody can come and eat. We will feed you the stories <laughs> that you need to survive, you know? And uh, and it's just one of those welcoming places where people can make those connections. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I do. I really appreciate you bringing that up. And I can totally, I totally see what you mean by this Sikh temple being a place of community, a place of gathering. So I have only seen this place from the outside. I was kind of inspired by my trip to Delhi. So I did go to Delhi recently and I stayed there for a couple of months. And going to the Gurudwara was on my bucket list, but I never managed to go. But it was so beautiful. Oh my God, especially in the mornings, it's so beautiful. Like it lights up and there's like, there's this water and like the reflection of the Gurudwara against the water. It's so pretty. I wish I could show you a picture, but like you'll just have to take my word for it. I guess it's, it's really beautiful. And so I was doing more research into that. And also I just think that this aspect of Sikh culture is um, so admirable and I wanted to reflect that and I mean I don't want to say too much now because we will be talking about it later but it's just that is kind of the plurality that I wanted to showcase of India the plurality of India just all the different cultures that we have here like we're not just Hindus right which some people might think we have a whole different host of religions and cultures and all of that so that is something that I, even if even if it was even if it made just a brief appearance, I wanted to highlight how each individual culture in the country is so unique and has so many positives to it. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, thank you for including it in the fic. I mean, I was so touched by that. Like you say, it's this small little bit in the fic, but you bothered to put it in there. And I was so grateful that you did because I was so touched by that. You know, of course, there's lots of things that we will we'll get to talk about today, your writing and everything. But you volunteered to come here to talk specifically about POC representation in fandom, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, I, I wanted to thank you for that, first of all. 
Uh, nobody's volunteered to speak on that before. I think it's a great topic to speak about. I'm really glad that you're here. So I do want to dive into that and give that discussion the time that it deserves here. I was hoping that we could start out talking about why this topic is of particular interest to you. And I was hoping that you could just briefly tell us what you hope listeners might take away from our conversation today. Okay, thank you. So this topic is of particular interest for me because I myself am a person of color. I am from India. I'm from South India. I'm from a place called Tamil Nadu or anglicized as Tamil Nadu. So that's where I'm from. And I'm really proud of my culture, my heritage. And I love seeing that being reflected in media. And with the way that fandom is evolving in tandem with globalization and this push to, you know, incorporate multicultural experiences into media. And because our voices, like the voices of people of color are being heard more now, I thought it might be interesting to talk about that. So what I will say is that the following, like whatever I say beyond this, like all of that is just my opinion. And I do not presume to tell people how they should judge a particular piece of fan work as whether it's good representation or bad representation. I just want to give my thoughts on the way people of color are represented in fan fiction particularly. So I'm not trying to tell anyone how you're supposed to write uh, POC characters because there are better resources for that that I will, like, for example, writing of writing with color from Tumblr, like their page, I, I will talk a bit more about them. But they are so great. And there are, of course, like manifold other resources online that we can go to. So what I essentially want to be talking about is the experiences of POC and fandom. So, you know, like the experiences of me and my friends who are people of color, uh, how we experience fandom. Because I think it is just when people write POC characters into their fic, I thought it might be interesting to tell you guys or to tell people who are non-POC how we view this representation and just maybe also some things to keep in mind if people do ultimately end up including POC in their fix. And also finally, how can we make fandom more inclusive for POC? So this is primarily what I want to say. But again, like I'm not trying to tell anybody how they should write POC characters. I'm not trying to say what is good representation and what is bad representation because I personally do believe that there is no way to truly objectively demarcate what good POC rep is. Yeah, so it's it's difficult because firstly, we never know like who the author is of a particular fic. So if someone writes, you know, a POC character in their fic and we feel like, oh, it's just, you know, they've just mentioned the name of the character as being a person of color, but there's no reference to their culture. There's no reference to their heritage. This is bad POC rep. We can't say that because what if that person, the author, is a person of color and this is the way that they engage with their heritage. So so we can't really invalidate somebody else's experience. So for these reasons, I would say that there is no way to 
to sort of judge a particular piece of fan work based on how good or bad it has represented the POC experience. But yeah, this is just some things that me and the people of color around me in the same fandom as me think about the portrayal of POC and the POC experience in general in fandom. Thank you so much. And yeah, we just kind of wanted this to be a casual, open dialogue on some of these topics. And uh, I think this is going to be a great discussion. And thank you for those disclaimers, too, because I know we wanted to make sure that people understand that these are our thoughts and opinions. They don't represent all people of color, obviously. So we just wanted to make that clear. I think that the way that so many of us experience our own um, our own lives and our own uh, perspectives, there's a million different experiences out there, right? And they're not going to be all the same, but that's what makes it beautiful too. In the end, that's what makes it beautiful too. So it's all good. But, um, you know, one thing that I really appreciated as you were preparing for this episode coming on today to talk about these topics, I know that you reached out to other POC creators in the community and you invited them to kind of share their thoughts and perspectives on POC representation in fandom, which I think was a brilliant thing that you did because it's always really interesting, right? Because uh, sometimes we get so stuck, I think, in our own perspectives, right? It's really cool and interesting to hear other people's perspectives and how they view the same things. So I was kind of wondering, in that experience of speaking to other POC creators in preparation for this conversation, what were some of the most interesting responses that you received? And then I'm also wondering, like, which responses surprised you the most? Yes. Okay, so I got a lot of responses. My questions actually ended up sparking a discussion that went on for a few days. So there is a dedicated space for people of color in the Harry Potter fandom. So it's called Harry Potter. So it's Harry, P-O-C-T-E-R, Harry Potter. The P-O-C stands for people of color. This was a space that was created very recently by a few people of color who wanted to create a safe space to celebrate the cultural heritage of people of color and to look into the characters of color from the books. So they have a Discord server and they also have like a Tumblr page. And I thought, okay, that is the perfect place to ask about these things. So I went there and I spoke to them and I asked them, so what are your thoughts on POC and fandom? Like, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about POC characters, be it fanon or canon? Like, do you like reading about them? Do you engage with them? Uh, what are your thoughts? And so one really interesting thing that I learned was that though a lot of people do like reading about characters from their culture, a lot of people actually don't, which really surprised me because I love seeing characters of color in fiction, both canonically POC characters, for example, like Parvati Patil, Padma Patil, Cho Chang, and also fandom POC characters. Like now it's pretty much it's very widespread that the Potters are Desi. Like, that's a very popular headcanon. And if you see, like, all the recent fan art is all with, like, Harry having darker skin. And, like, James Potter is Desi. Like, it's a pretty popular headcanon. I really like it. I really like uh, the Desi Harry Potter headcanon. But a lot of people did not like it. 
So before going into why, I just want to also give two notes that I found uh, and I also wanted to state, which is, this is about people, like characters of color in the original Harry Potter books. So what I did learn is that though a lot of people did have qualms with the way these characters were represented in the books, they also did state that they were really happy seeing themselves represented in some way in the books, which I actually agreed with. Like, so now in fandom, like a lot of people talk about, you know, like the, for example, Padma and Parvati Patil, it's always about they would like really drab dresses to the Yule Ball. Whereas we didn't really care about that. Like when the books came out and when the movie came out and we read that there was a character called Padma Patil. I remember when I first read it, I was like, oh my God, wait a second, Padma, that's an Indian name. That Parvati, that's an Indian name. So I got really excited. So when we see in fandom, like people kind of degrading or denigrating that representation, we agree. But at the same time, it is taking away a bit from the magic we felt at seeing just our culture in some way being represented in fix. So that is like one thing I wanted to say. And secondly, this is the Cho Chang problem, which is um, people often say that Cho Chang is, uh, her name is essentially just two Chinese last names cobbled together. However, I was told by uh, a friend of the same ethnicity that the name Cho Chang is a legitimate romanization from Hong Kong Cantonese. So it's a real, it's an actual name. JKR, she might have done it by accident, but it is still a legitimate name. So these are the two things that I wanted to mention. So now coming to what my friends and I, we kind of, we had a discussion about, which is the representation, the way these characters are represented in fic, right? So firstly, we talked about tokenism. So it's kind of like when these characters are introduced into the main like fic narratives, most of the time it feels like they're just there to be that POC character. And also kind of in a way that they have to be, quote unquote, the epitome of their culture. So for example... If you're having a POC character in your fic, right? Like they just, they, they know everything about their culture. They eat things from their culture. They celebrate all of the holidays religiously. So there's kind of no space for these characters to be human because they are idealized as being the representative of this culture. So this ties into the way that people who are not from a particular culture think what representation is. For example, like with Harry Potter, like the character Harry Potter, like when he's Desi, it's always a combination of these elements, which is firstly, like they put Harry in ethnic clothes. They they make Harry eat like some kind of spicy food, like chicken tikka or like naan. And um, Harry befriends the Patel twins and then like Diwali. So it's always these four things. And the thing is, like, that would be like if I'm writing a white character. Like, imagine um, reading about a British character and all you read about, like, every single fic ever just has them celebrating Christmas, drinking 
eggnog and mashed eating mashed potatoes and wearing i don't know what a traditional british piece of clothing would be but you understand right like so it's like every sick ever just has like christmas mashed potatoes eggnog and that's yeah. it yeah it's like um like a caricature of the culture instead of more nuanced yes yes exactly so where is the way that people engage with their culture is different it's it's kind of it's it's not the same it's more nuanced like you might feel strongly about some aspects of your culture and then feel less strongly about other aspects of your culture like okay so i can think of one example and i know it's not the best example but this is the only example i can think of off the top, top of my head which is in india the moms they always there's this kind of practice of moms putting coconut oil in the daughter's hair so it's meant to make so they put it in your hair they massage it and it acts kind of like a serum it's meant for your hair to grow so if i see that in fic i'm going to be really happy like okay that's something that we do like that it's really cool that you guys mentioned that in fic so i'll be happy about that but if i see in fic that the mom is pulling really hard at the tangles and like the daughter is going ow that hurts that is what kind of resonates with me even more because that is the universal experience of your mom like <laughs> like pulling on your hair and it hurts so much and she is like i'm getting the tangles out and so you have to stay stay there and then like hope your mom finishes and like that is definitely a universal like near universal experience like all of my friends and also i see this online in like some like indian spaces online where people are like uh, oh my god remember the days when your mom would comb your hair and she would and like like literally like these are like war memories like you know like that extent like so it's it's like a shared cultural thing so when i see that in fic that's when i'll be like oh my god this i resonate with this on a much deeper level so that's kind of the difference also i would say between uh, somebody else writing your culture versus you writing your culture because we just have that additional insider knowledge that makes it authentic and this is why when i read fix from a british like you know it's all about british culture and christmas there's there's that added depth to it that's not there like like for, like if it's a diwali fic it's always like them maybe like they they'll dress up they'll eat sweets they'll burst crackers but what about you know like for example some auntie comes over and then says something and then there's like some gossip happening and i don't know like all these things just like anything that adds just a little bit more depth would be cool so i have something to say here and this was not said by me it was said by a friend on the server so i'm just going to read out what they said and i feel like it's very apt so what they said is i'm not sure if i want to read about my own specific experience as much as i want to feel seen to feel connected so i wonder if perhaps the push for representation has clouded why we need representation in the first place So the things that really get me in representation fic are tiny little details about cultures or families or experiences 
where I can go, oh my God, I've never seen this experience shared by anyone before. Or wow, someone gets me. So it feels like sometimes the messaging has gotten clouded so that the goal is often just diversity. And it's not those shared experiences and feeling seen and feeling loved in the community. So it becomes diversity of appearance or accessories rather than diversity of experience. So that's what I mean. Like, it's just become like we need to take certain things off from a box instead of like actually trying to write things in a meaningful way. And I think that maybe people who are not part of a particular culture may not be able to write someone from that culture in a manner of depth that goes beyond what they can. Like there's always that gap, like that barrier that you will not be able to cross, I feel, unless you have like a really good sensitivity reader or someone who is just there to tell you all of their life experiences and thoughts and feelings. There will always be that tiny bit of disconnect is what I feel. So for example, again, it's like what I feel happens with a lot of characters is when you make a character desi, it feels like you're just changing their skin color and leaving the rest intact almost. It's very surface level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. This is really, really good. I had kind of wanted to ask you about POC representation, what it's largely thought to be versus what it actually is. And I feel like you did a really great job explaining that in a way that's understandable because we kind of talked about surface level representation where, like you said, I know that <laughs> I have seen people, I, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out, but I have seen people kind of do that here and there where they'll just kind of uh, write this character and all they really do is is make the character have darker skin. You know, I have seen that before, right? Like you said, as your example, I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's just kind of where I come from, I think. So I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think, you know, I think it's really great, you know, that somebody took a step in that direction, right? Or they tried because I, you know, I don't ever want to think that anyone's like doing anything like weird on purpose. <laughs> Benefit of the doubt. I feel like, uh, you know, most people do things in good faith and everything. But but then I hear your point and I totally agree with you that representation goes so far beyond that. Right. Because you're right that in, unless you're you're there right in that culture, unless you experienced that culture and you have the the nuance and the perspective of years and years and years like you said, there there's going to be hits and misses, right? And it's like that with most experiences, I feel like. If you weren't there and you didn't experience it with your own two eyes, there's just going to be this level of nuance that's really, really difficult to get right. I agree that on the one hand, like when I see representation in media or fan fiction, I appreciate it for what it is. But I get really excited when I see something that I feel down to my soul because it's so accurate. That's a different experience. Yeah. That is exactly how I feel as well. I love fix, which just, you know, which even mentioned just in passing, like, okay, Harry's desi and he's eating some butter chicken. <laughs> okay. Like I understand, I absolutely understand why some people might not like that. Like they might feel it's 
too little. It it feels like tokenism, right? Like you're just making him desi for the sake of making him desi. Like some people might feel that way, and that is a very valid sure. thing to think. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I I like to see my culture reflected in any form, and oftentimes I also write Harry like that. So I'm a person of color, and I write desi Harry Potter. But sometimes I I don't want his ethnicity to be the main focus of the story. So like. In many of my fics, like he's just mentioned as, for example, knowing Hindi and um, maybe reading a Hindi newspaper at the end of the fic, and that's fine for me. Like it's because I want to make him Desi, but I I don't want to deal with the other aspects of his identity in this fic. So I do that. And if someone came for me like saying that's not valid representation, I mean. I am representing my culture, right? So you can't tell someone that they are interacting wrongly with their culture. So that's why I also avoid passing that judgment. But I can understand why some people just might not like it on a personal level as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, those feelings are valid. If that's the way that people feel and how they react to these different things, like totally valid, totally valid. Oh, you know what? I know that um, you had several fics that we wanted to kind of highlight today in conjunction with these points that we're making. And I want to make sure that we don't skip any because these fics are amazing. So I know that you have one called And No One Did Know. I sort of had this one in my notes kind of with this point that we were just discussing about, you know, POC representation, what it's thought to be, what it actually is. Is this the point where you wanted to kind of talk about And No One Did Know? Yes, there was this whole thing I wanted to bring up with what representation largely is thought to be versus what it could be, you know. So what it is, is like we've discussed this like just now, but it's just what it is, is it's kind of what, what happens a lot is it's very surface level. Whereas there could be, I feel like deeper explorations of not just culture, but I mean like feelings and things that you know you can you could only understand if you are very familiar with that culture so this my fic it's called and no one did know it's about it's pov parvati patel and the first quarter of the fic is what i felt would be like relevant to our discussion the rest is it's about something else but the first part of the fic deals with uh, the relationship between padma Parvati and their mother. So I was not even planning to write this part. I was planning to go straight to the meat of the story and just start from there. But I felt like I could not start this story without writing a bit about their background. So before I go into what, you know, like the kind of things I talk about in the first quarter of this fic, I just want to give like a brief explainer of the Hindu caste system in India, because that is directly related to the fic. So Indian society, according to ancient Hindu texts, are divided into four classes of four castes. And they are hierarchical. So at the very top, we have the priests. They're called Brahmins, but we'll call them priests. And then below them, second on the hierarchy, are the warriors or kshatriyas, but we'll call them warriors. And thirdly, we have the agricultural class 
or um, Vaishyas, agriculturalists. And then fourth, we have like the working class. So it's priests, warriors, agriculturalists, and then the working class. And outside of these four classes, there is a fifth class called the untouchable class. So they are the group of people that do not belong to any of the four sections I mentioned above. They do not even have a class. They call they are the people who do not have a caste. Or they were called untouchables. Now they're called Dalits, but they were called untouchables. And there was a lot of discrimination, oppression, especially against these people. And also, you know, by members of on the higher end of the hierarchy against members on the lower end. So this is how Indian society is broadly structured. And I wanted to kind of deal with that in this fic, in the first part of this fic. So another thing, so because Indian hierarchy is so rigidly, Indian society is so rigidly structured and there's such a rigid hierarchy, intermarriage between classes or between castes are not allowed. And the thing is, these castes are something that you are born with. So if you're born in the agriculturalist class, even if you become a teacher or even if you become a lawyer, you will always remain as a member of the agricultural class. So intermarriage is not like it's very much frowned upon. It's like dishonor upon your society if you marry between classes. So, for example, warrior class will marry warrior class, priest class will marry priest class. And it's still very prevalent even today. It's a really sad thing. It's not great. Like, we're, I'm very anti-caste. Many people are anti-caste, but it still happens today. So intermarriage is greatly frowned upon, especially between members of the upper caste and members of the lower caste. So this is where I drop Padma's mom, like I drop Padma's mom and Padma's dad into this system. So I make Padma's mother an upper caste person. Another thing, oh God, I'm giving you so much information and uh, I hope I'm making sense. No, this is perfect. Okay. Another thing that we should know about caste is that your last, like your caste is displayed in your surname. So I know how in the West, like surnames are just family names. Whereas uh, here, your surname is literally the name of your caste. So if I had to simplify it, it would be like, for example, my name would be Cat Agriculturalist or Cat Warrior. Like that would be my name. That is the way names are structured in this society. So the name that I chose for uh, this fic, like the Patels, the Patels are an up, like the, the name Patel just stands for a caste that is upper caste. So Patel is an upper caste name. So Padma and Parvati's mom, she's from an upper caste family and their father is from a lower caste family. So I don't mention this explicitly in the fic, but I headcanon him as uh, a Dalit or what, like an untouchable. And I also think it's really interesting to see like the interplay of magic here, like whether pure bloods would be upper caste and muggle bonds would be lower caste. Like there's so much mm-hmm. to explore there. But yeah, so this, so I headcanoned that they were both from like opposite ends of the spectrum. Like she's all the way there. She's at the very top. She's, she's upper caste. She belongs to the priest class and they've become rich. Like 
the priest class they they got a lot of land grants in the past from kings um so like the priest class even today people from that caste they own a lot of land so like she's the heir to a, a business conglomerate like she is so rich and she's like so privileged and then she falls in love with this guy from a different state and a different caste another thing is intermarriage between states in india also frowned upon though not as much as intercaste marriages are frowned upon so she is from the north he is from the south and they fall in love and they run away and they get married so that is where the story begins so the rest of the story talks about how padma's and parvati's mom teaches them how to blend in as someone who is upper caste and i thought this would be really interesting to explore because even though padma and parvati's mom she has done the greatest thing you can do to defy caste stereotypes which is to marry outside your caste it is the in my opinion the single biggest rebellion you can do for yourself to sort of fight against caste it is to marry outside your caste and she has done that and yet at the same time she teaches her children to conform to these caste precepts to pretend to be upper caste because society like frowns upon you if you're lower caste like uh, you know the discrimination is so much worse if you're from a lower caste and you can't hide it unless you change your last name which is also not possible so she gives them her last <sighs> name and she teaches them <sighs> yes yes so she teaches them like you know how to identify diamond versus zircon which is like a lower grade gem that can masquerade as diamond and then she teaches them like which kind of silk is the best silk because in india we wear a lot of silk especially if you're upper class and upper caste and you're rich and then so you can afford a lot of silk so she teaches them like the different types of silk and the thing is these are experiences that are very unique to india because i'm sure the the upper class rich experiences in countries like britain and the us and europe um they have other standards for like determining uh you know like i'm sure the way like they would determine it is if your clothes are from a particular big fashion brand or like a high fashion like high fashion luxury brand something like that but here it's different so you we can't really apply those things here so i tried to make it as authentic as possible so this inner turmoil that her mom faces like on the one hand like it's her own husband and his culture that she's kind of erasing from her daughters so she's going through all this like internal turmoil she's teaching them to conform to the very same society she tried to break out of and like teaching them you know how to uh, pass as both pure blood and how to pass as upper caste Yes, I was just about to ask you that because I imagine, you know, as you're talking about the implications of intermarriage, it did make me wonder, okay, what happens with the children? And then I was thinking, well, yes, I'm sure that that did give her such inner turmoil because do you subject your children to that kind of a thing in their life or do you teach them to hide? That's so interesting that you say that because that theme of hiding comes up so much in this fic 
even though it's it's a shorty, it's a little short <laughs> kind of a thing. But that same theme comes up in so many parts. And I'm so glad that you're giving us this context because I feel like I am understanding this story on a whole new level that is just incredible. So thank you. This is incredible. Thank you. Please continue. Yeah. Also, um, please feel free to stop me anytime because I tend to ramble and I will probably keep going unless you stop me somewhere. Yeah. But this is the kind of nuance that I don't see in a lot of fics that deal with people of color because obviously I want to read happy fics. I want to read like joyous fics. A lot of my like fics relating to people of color and writing about my culture is in a very positive light. But I would also like to see fics that kind of delve into the truth of our identity, the truth of our experience, particularly as an Indian, um, because caste is such an integral part of our culture and it gets so overlooked in media in general. It's only making an appearance, you know, in like traditional media, like or even in movies like now. And I don't see that in fanfic and I am not blaming anybody because it is, it's, it's like a huge can of worms and it's, it's difficult for an outsider to truly understand and get into it. But that is also, it's also a reason why I think Harry Potter is such a great sort of playground to drop cast into and to sort of write about it because of this concept that JKR created called purebloods, halfbloods, and muggle bonds. The parallels, right? The parallels. <laughs> yes, yes. Because the whole thing about caste is it it's dependent on your births, right? Like you cannot escape your caste. It's in your blood. Like literally people who were called untouchables previously, they were no, known as having dirty blood or unclean blood. And it all came down to blood, which is very similar to the way blood is perceived in the Harry Potter world. And another thing is the kind of discrimination that is within this culture, like within caste. It's a very unique, in not a good way, but it's a very unique kind of discrimination that I cannot think of. Like I can't find parallels to anywhere in the world. You know, like it's always um, you're either a person of color or you're white. Or it's it's never there, there aren't really too many layers to that unless of course you're like mixed race or something. Whereas this is there, there's this hierarchy here. Like if you're here, you're at the very top, or else you're in the middle, and that hierarchy creates kind of like it makes the discrimination more complex, which I see mm. can be reflected in the Harry Potter world. For example, pure bloods are at the very top, so they are the safest, and then half bloods. Like, they aren't the worst. Like, they have some pure blood in them. So we, we'll allow it. And then muggle bonds are the worst. Like, they have no pure blood in them. So there's this hierarchy there as well. So this kind of hierarchical discrimination, it's I thought it's very unique. And because of the hierarchies that exist in both systems, I thought it would be really interesting to explore them together and also the ways in which they might interact. So what about a muggle bond you know, upper caste person or a pure blood squib, like things like that. So it's just like a whole like extra, um, you know, equation you throw into this concept of discrimination in the Harry Potter world. But yeah, like I don't see this being discussed much. And I myself have not really delved into the caste aspect of it too much, but I really 
would like to sometime in the future. Like I have ideas and I would love to explore them. But this is essentially what I mean when I say like, I want authentic experiences to be in fiction. Like I want to see like this thing about like different types of silks, like Kanjipuram silk versus Banaras silk. Like all these things I know because they, they are part of my own lived in experience. So I know about the different types of silks. And I feel like someone not from the country might not know it. So, but these things, I feel like they add that extra bit of depth. They make the world that much more vivid and immersive. So I quite like to read about these things. So yes, the lived experiences, right? Those are so hard to recreate inauthentically, I think, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no. And I'm so glad that you gave us that background on that fic because it's beautiful when you just read it through. But when you understand the background, you know, I'm just thinking back now <laughs> reading that fic and going, oh, my God, like, yes, the parallels. That's incredible. What an incredible use of the parallels there. That's gorgeous. You know, I know that in your notes to me when we were preparing for this, you included a note about engaging with fics that have POC characters. And then you also had a note in here about engaging with the author of those fics as a POC. And I was just wondering what you wanted to share about that particular topic. Okay. So about this, this was something that I asked to my friends my friends who are people of color and I was like do you feel the same way and a lot of them agreed so it is so what I said is that engaging with a fic with POC characters and knowing whether the author was a person of color or not makes a difference to us as readers when we are engaging with the text so like I do think that even if a fic was written with exactly the same words by a POC versus a non-POC author, the experience can radically differ because reading a fic by a non-POC author makes me feel more secure. I understand that the story is coming from an authentic place and it kind of allows me to connect with the author and with the text on a deeper level. Otherwise, there is there's always this possibility of like, is my identity being used for clout or recognition? Or is it being exoticized? So I think it is definitely possible for people to enjoy POC work written by non-POC authors. But this is also like a valid reaction, I think, because there are, there's so many different ways that one incident can be interpreted. For example, if there is a fic that deals with like representing an Asian family that is being very abusive, it could be multiple things, right? It could be an author from that community processing their trauma. It could be an author just trying to insert people of color in their fics for, you know, recognition. It could be another author like fetishizing, which is also a problem that happens. Like it's also something that is done I think in fandom and it's not nice to read like particularly with there's this whole subset of the black family and people headcanoning them as East Asian and people have told me that it feels very exoticizing in a way the way that they kind of describe them so is the author fetishizing and it could be another author just genuinely trying to 
portray the struggles faced by an Asian in an Asian household. So it could be any of these things, right? So sometimes I might be confused and somebody else might be confused like, okay, I'm reading this and I don't know how I feel about this. Like on the one hand, the portrayal might be accurate. Like you can't say for sure if it's accurate or not, but like it might hold within it a degree of accuracy. But at the same time, like, is this like, I, I know this is this could be true, but at the same time, I'm not very comfortable with the way it's portrayed in my community. So we might feel that way. Whereas if we know that the author was a person of color and we know that this is coming from an authentic place, then at least me personally, I would feel much better about engaging with the text. Like, okay, this author, they know what they're talking about. There is no ulterior motive to writing this. You know, no mistakes have been made. No misconceptions. There's no kind of stereotyping happening here. And it's all authentic. It's all the experience of the author. And then I can um, sort of relate to the author and resonate with them in a much easier manner than otherwise. Yeah, there's like a level of ease there. Yes. So so that's what I meant. Just that knowing that the... And again, like, it's totally fine if the author isn't POC. And I love reading all kinds of fics. And like, you know, especially like happy fics, fics just involving even a little bit of uh, our culture. It's great for me personally. But if the I know the author is POC, I, I know that it's coming from also from like, if it's a, if it's like a quote unquote positive fic, I know that it's coming from a place of happiness. Like they're genuinely like happy about their culture. They're trying to portray their culture in a good positive light. They're showcasing things that makes them happy and makes them proud. And I would like to share in that pride and joy with them. So yeah, so in that, like, both there's both sides of the spectrum. So in that sense, it is kind of nice when you know that the author is POC. It's it's just very different. I don't feel this way when I know the author is white, and I'm reading like something about Christmas, or, you know, something like that. But I feel this way about authors of color. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah. No, and I appreciate you mentioning that sense of joy because I know that, I mean, there are so many reasons, I think, why you love to include, you know, your culture and unique lived experiences and perspectives in your fan fiction. But I know that one of the reasons you gave me for why you do what you do is the joy of it, right? Like, there's joy there when you get to share something authentic in your writing and you get to share something authentic with your community. I did want to talk about cultural joy. And I also wanted to talk about the relationship between fandom and activism, because I think that this is kind of the bulk of where we were going to discuss maybe a little more specifically some of your other fan fictions that are good examples of these topics. Um, before we get into that, though, I have this like burning question for you. Mm -hmm. Your headcanon for Desi Harry Potter, mm -hmm. are both of his parents Desi or is it just his father? I wasn't quite sure on that. I feel like Harry is mixed race. Like personally, that's how I headcanon him. So his dad is Desi, but his mom is white. She's British. So that's how I see. And I think that's the dominant narrative, like that's the way most of fandom sees him. And that's how I also portray him in my fic. 
connecting lines, connecting crimes. Uh, I portray him as like a mixed race kid. And I also portray him as kind of being like torn between two cultures, like torn between two worlds. And I did get a couple of lovely comments from people who talk about like being an immigrant in another country and having to deal with the pull of two different cultures. And I tried to incorporate that a tiny bit into my fic. Like the first chapter is just like Harry, quote unquote, finding himself. So yeah, I tried to talk a bit about that. And then like I did get a few people who were saying that it resonated with them, which makes me so happy because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to write things that make people feel something that resonate with them, particularly, you know, if someone's from the same demographic as the character that I'm writing, then even better. So that's what I try to channel. That's what I try to incorporate. I am not an immigrant. I was born in India and I live in India. However, I did live in the UK for a few years. And I remember during that time, like the Indian community in the UK, it was small, but it was present. And at that time, like so many years ago, at that time, there was this push to kind of assimilate into British culture. So in public, like we'd wear British clothes and I got the accent pretty quickly and uh, that was encouraged. Whereas, and then we practice all our kind of uh, our traditions, our cultural uh, traditions in private, like in our house, but it wouldn't cross our house. So there was always this kind of disconnect or again, me being pulled into directions like, okay, so in public, I'm this person in private, I'm this person, but who am I really? So it's obviously not the same experience as someone who has been living in another country since birth and who, you know, are citizens of that country, whereas they might have ancestry from another country. So I'm sure their experience is vastly different to mine, but I could in a way also feel the disconnect of not being like being from my homeland, but being in, in another place. And so that's also kind of what I channeled to try and write this character like Harry as this person. And I'm so, I'm so glad that you did. That's why I wanted to ask that question because I relate to that. I am considered mixed race. I have one white grandmother and then everything else is, um, is Latino. And so I come from this perspective that is that mixed race kind of thing. And when I read Connecting Lines, Connecting Crimes, I don't feel like it was ever explicitly stated. I could be wrong, you know, but I don't recall that it was ever explicitly stated. However, the way that you wrote Harry in this fic, I immediately recognized so many of my own experiences in this fic as a mixed race person. My dad's from a different country. My grandfather was from a different country. I was born here, but it's it's one of those things where like the mixed race experience, I feel like sometimes gets erased so often <laughs> because it's such a misunderstood thing and not everybody has that. So like when you were writing about Harry feeling lost you know like we we come into this fic and you you get the sense that he's 
he's sort of lost, right? Like, he, you know, th- there's a restlessness there in Harry. And of course, you can attribute that to post-war adult life and you could attribute that to a lot of different things. But when I read that <laughs> and when you were describing his father, I recognized that restlessness of being particular to his mixed race experience because I have felt that too. It's something particular sometimes that some of us feel when you feel like you don't know where you belong. (laughs) You don't exactly know. Do you belong to the culture of your mother? Do you belong to the culture of your father? Can you claim both? Do you claim neither? Like, who do you belong to? And that is something that I have struggled with. That's something I've heard other people in my same situation struggle with. And that's a very particular kind of a thing. And I felt that in your writing. And that's why I wanted to ask that question, because I suspected that Harry's mother was white. But I wanted to be sure (laughs) just because this felt so, yeah, I felt so connected to his experience. You know, of kind of feeling like a nomad, especially that experience of having to be taught his father's culture as an outsider. That made me cry because I, too, have had that experience. And that that can be very difficult, right? Because on the one hand, you know, you're feeling super connected to your parent as you're learning these things. But on the other hand, you're like, this is literally where my ancestors are from. Like, why do I have to learn all of this? as an outsider and it just makes you feel weird and so like I wanted to just tell you that this felt so real to me as I was reading it and um, I felt very connected to Harry's experience here with this fic I wanted to tell you you did an amazing job with that thank you so much thank you especially for pointing out the fact that Harry had to learn so many things about his own culture from other people that is a very strong theme in the fix, especially in the first chapter. And I know to an extent how difficult it can be, to an extent, simply because for most of my life, my childhood, I did not live in the country. I lived abroad. I lived in other places. I lived in Southeast Asia for a bit. I lived in the UK for a bit. So when I came back to the country after so many years, I couldn't speak my own language. I didn't know how to speak my own language. And I I was suddenly put in like, you know, a classroom with all of these other people who would only speak my native language to each other. And I was this outsider there. I, I was an outsider, like in my own country, in my own city, in my own classroom, surrounded by people who looked exactly like me. So I really felt, you know, there's so much happening there. Like, I don't really deal with like, the shame of it all but I definitely felt like like oh why don't I know this and why didn't anybody ever teach me these things and I shouldn't have to I wish I'd learned these things along with everybody else but these feelings definitely like they came from like an authentic place and uh, like you know the struggle of having to learn these things especially at an age beyond where most people learn these things so yeah, that is something that I wanted to add. And I'm and I'm so happy you brought that up because I forgot to bring that up, but you did. So thank you. Thank you for representing my experience. Thank you. Like that was, it was beautiful and I felt so connected to it. I can also see how connecting lines, connecting crimes 
is a wonderful example of what you mean by the relationship between fandom and activism. Yes, yes. So fandom and activism, this is a complicated topic because fandom is generally, it's it's like, it's a safe space for a lot of people. People come here for like escapism and things like that. So I would like to start by saying that about fandom and activism, fandom is not activism. Authors should be allowed to portray people of color however they want to. So if you're portraying a person of color, I personally feel like you don't really have to delve into every single nuance of their identity and their struggles as a person of color. Like you can totally represent them in a very positive way in all of that. Like you don't have to go into the activism of it all if you don't want to. Because people come to fandom to escape, like it's escapism. And also the audience is so much smaller, right? Like you don't have, like you're not getting paid for this. Most of the people who are writing fanfics are just like um, students, like your average college student or people who have jobs or people who are taking care of children. So they have so much to do. And it would be a lot for them to expect them to kind of take a character of color and then also learn about their struggles and then write them in that kind of way but at the same time I do feel like fandom can be activism if the author would like like and this ties back into my first the first thing I said which about why fanfic is so special is because you can do anything you want with fanfic like you can you can write about anything so what I did with this fic is I wanted to bring to light the concept of environmental colonialism. So the topic environmental colonialism, which is what my fic is about, it came about when I was talking to my partner about a paper he was going to present for a conference. And so he was telling me about like the fact that Mauritius is going to sink in a few years. I don't remember the names of these countries, but like he was telling me all these really crazy facts about different countries and the way that they're all they're all sinking, they're moving inland and all these things. So it was about that. And then so we did some research and the paper that I link at the very end is the one that he showed me. It's 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 a paper about the way we assign damages for this kind of Pollution. Like, who is responsible for pollution? Like, there's this paper that kind of calculates it and assigns a percentage of pollution liability to different countries. So I read that paper. And I. so what I learned from that paper was that developed countries, particularly like, you know, Europe and the US, so they have contributed... Over a period of time, they've contributed over 90% to the current pollution levels in the world and the current amount of damages to the environment in the world. So I read that and I was like, okay, I want to talk about this, but I didn't want to just put it all in a Tumblr post and post it. Like I, This is something that I felt very strongly about because it ties into not just environmentalism, but also colonialism. It's all about like how these countries, particularly Britain and France, how they came down, how they utilized the resources of the countries that they colonized. They plundered these countries 
and they looted these countries and they used the resources of these countries to fund their industrial revolutions which in turn caused so much pollution so it's all these different things and i thought okay you know what would be really fun would be to talk about this from the perspective of a fic and i feel like when i write these things in a story it puts the reader at the very center of the action and it gives them a perspective that i wouldn't have been able to tell them like wouldn't have been able to give them via an info post like so that's what i was thinking like i wanted and that is also why i wrote this fic in first person i know a longer like it's the the fic is 15k words and it's uh, it's kind of it's not it's on the longer side it's like a medium length fic and for these kinds of fics i tend to write in third person but i wanted it to be in first person because i wanted it to be immediate i feel like there's a kind of immediacy that first person brings to the reading experience so i wanted them to be experiencing what harry experiences as the fic progresses i wanted them to see the world through harry's eyes like see what he is seeing what he is feeling about his culture like the food and the places that he goes to and the color and the sounds and the lights like this is the world like i wanted people to kind of fall in love with the world first and then tell them that this like you know all these things have happened to this world and it has happened because of environmental colonialism this fic was also really just like a love letter to my country because i include so many aspects like it's everything i love about my country like you know like the food and the flora and the fauna and even the travel i know like the trains in my country they can be like really crowded and um really noisy but at the same time like it's so interesting you know like when i'm when i'm traveling by train during the day there are these dancing troops that sometimes dance in the middle like in the corridors and they sing and it's so much fun to watch them and i feel like these are really unique experiences that kind of get missed out in the sort of top down narratives like these are the things that are going to go missing if we don't try to reverse the effects of environmental colonialism so i just wanted to like paint a really nice picture of the country and also like you know like particularly the tribal areas where the tribes live and all of that and then show the way that this environmental colonialism has affected particularly the 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 vulnerable sections of society like the tribal areas and the tribal people so that is what i wanted to talk about i love what you just said about that fic about wanting to incorporate the joy in the fic while also raising awareness of like hey this is this is a real life problem right and you were so clever the way that you turned this into you know sort of a magical problem right so that it fit into the world of harry potter the parallel to real life issues here was so perfect i loved this fic so much because you know like you said the detail of it as you were writing the joy the little details and things that mean so much to you and your lived experience i loved those details in this fic like you almost felt like you were there 
as you're reading this fic, you're like, man, I almost feel like I'm there. So I totally get why you would do the first person kind of a thing, right? Because we are literally seeing this world through Harry Potter's eyes in a first person perspective, which I think is so important that you made that decision to do that. The other thing that I will say is um, I loved your point about fan fiction. Fan fiction can be activism, right? I relate to that sentiment so much because I have always believed (laughs) that awareness is always an important step when we're talking about really important issues, right? And I have always been of the belief that one of the best ways in all of the world to get that awareness out to as many people as possible in a way that is easiest to understand is through story. You were talking about how you thought about making this a post, but then you're like, how would I convey the nuance and the detail and the emotional like impact of this issue in a post without, you know, all of this stuff that you kind of need to convey that in an effective way? Stories, man, like I'll never get tired of talking about how important stories are from the very beginning of human society. We have used stories to tell these complex stories to other people, right, in a way that they can understand. Fan fiction can be so many different things. It doesn't have to be serious, right? It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And I think that that is such an effective way to get our points across, to help people understand in a way that's going to mean something. I love the use of telling stories. And um, I will say, you know, also from a historical perspective, we have seen this be an effective method in the past of changing people's minds on certain issues or raising that awareness or helping people understand how important the topic is. Stories can do that in a way that not very many other things can. So I would agree with that point. Yeah. You know, it's like reading statistics versus reading a story about a person who is part of that statistic. Like there is so much difference. Like you can empathize so much more with a story than you can with statistics. So that is kind of what I wanted to do. Like this story is the first of its kind that I've written. It's like both a means of me exhibiting my cultural joy while at the same time using it as a medium to discuss these issues. So it has a positive side and a negative side. And this is the first time I tried to combine those things. And I had a lot of fun with it because my other fix are usually like I'm either seeing something about my culture that makes me sad or I'm saying something about my culture that makes me happy but here I kind of mixed both of them and I I really enjoyed doing it because I did want more people to talk about this because this is like even in the discussion surrounding colonialism this is something that gets pushed to the side I mean environmentalism I feel like it gets pushed to the side a lot in general but particularly in the context of colonialism and where we want to be headed and also like capitalism and the way that capitalism has affected so many structures in society and um, the way that it has changed the global order in the sense that like it's so tilted right like a few countries did this and now the rest of the world is facing the after effects of it so I was like how do I put all this in a way that's understandable to people because it took me a while to understand it So, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. 
<laughs> yes, yes. No, it was effective. It was so effective. And then, of course, I really, really loved the way that you expressed cultural joy in the fix. Let's see here. You had a fic called Strangers in a Strange Land, and then you also had one titled Parvati. And I felt like both of these things were exercises in expressing that cultural joy. These were beautiful fics. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. I had so, so much fun writing both of these fics because I see um, so many beautiful fics written from the perspective of British people or people living in the US. And they talk about so many cool things. Like they talk about like road trips and they talk about Hyde Park on Christmas and uh, just all these really beautiful experiences in the West. And I wanted to talk about like some really nice experiences that you can have here as well, like in India, like these are the things that are really great about my country as well. Like there are so many, there's there's so much here to be proud of. So that's what I wanted to kind of look into. And the first fic, which is Strangers in a Strange Land, that is a fic that I actually wrote for one of the first fandom friends I ever made. Um, she's Nana Rama. She's such a great writer. And so we were discussing the four founders of Hogwarts and kind of like an origin story for them. And that was when I thought, hey, what if Ravina Ravenclaw was Indian? And so Ravina is an actual Indian name. So I headcanon Ravina Ravenclaw as Ravina Ravenclaw, even if, you know, she's canonically white. I was like, no, but like, I like this. And also Ravina Ravenclaw just sounds um, more fitting because of the Rav Rav. So I really, so I liked it. So I was like, okay, I'll go with this. And so she had canons Helga Hufflepuff as a Viking, which I love. So I also had canon Helga Hufflepuff as a, as a Viking. So this was the idea. So we were discussing this. And then I thought that I would write this for her birthday. And I did. And this story is based on a really, really popular epic in India called the Mahabharata and it's a huge epic it spans like decades and there is so much of it's like Game of Thrones but like before Game of Thrones like it, it's it's centuries old it's a millennium it's like it's really old this epic it's so interesting oh my god I could like talk for hours just about this epic it's so interesting it's so it's so fun to read it's about like this how do I put this like this line of brothers and they are descended from there are these two lines, two familial lines, and they're descended from one ancestor. And it's their, their kind of their fight with each other for supremacy, for um, the throne. And it, it results in a huge war at the end, in a huge battle. It's very popular in Indian culture. Everyone knows the story of the Mahabharata, even if you're not Hindu. It's like a Hindu epic, but everyone knows it. Or many people know it. So that is where I took the idea for this fic from. It is essentially the Mahabharata, but transposed to the Harry Potter context. So I had canoned Ravina Ravenclaw as an Indian princess. And in the original epic, the princess, her name is Draupadi. 
and she is such an excellent character in the books like she is she is powerful she's smart she's brilliant she's vengeful she's bloodthirsty like at one point she says this line which i adore she says so this is after like her husband her has been captured and um like you know her dignity has been kind of taken away from her and her kingdom is taken away from her so she is like at her lowest point and her enemies have captured her and also another thing is like washing the hair is like a very important part of indian culture like washing hair so like it's an important part of cleanliness so what she says is she says i will not wash my hair again until i can bathe it in the blood of my enemies oh that's so badass <laughs> i love that <laughs> Yes and like obviously like the mahabharata it definitely has its issues with the representation of women and some interpretations of the um the epic they don't even have this line but i'm choosing to believe that it exists so that is who i based ravina ravenclaw off of so there is this practice in ancient india called the swayamvara in north india or suyamvaram in south india So the the epic is set in North India but I set it in South India because South India is where I'm from so I just I just know the setting better and because South India and North India again vastly different vastly different cultures vastly different languages and even within the south there are so many differences so it's like so so I chose to set it in the south and the whole idea of the suyamvaram what it means is it's a test to determine the husband of the princess so whoever passes this test they become the prince or the king so that is what a suyamvaram is it is a test to determine who the husband of the princess is going to be so in the original story it's very interesting like it's i i kind of did the exact same thing but in the original story there is a bow it's kind of like thor's hammer only the worthy can lift it so like and it's really heavy and so you have to be really strong to lift it and the test is you have to use this bow and you have to shoot at a fish that is hanging from the ceiling you have to shoot the fish straight through the eye but the catch is you cannot look at the fish you can only look at a reflection of the fish in a bowl of oil so you have to look at the reflection of the fish and you have to shoot the fish through the eye with this bow that's impossible to lift so this is the suyamvaram that was set for draupadi in the mahabharata so i took this concept from there and i set it in ancient south india which again i love my country's history uh, we have such a rich history obviously not all of it is great but we have a lot to be proud of like the kind of architecture and the songs and the literature there's just so much to look into so i wanted to incorporate all of that so i kind of i talk about like how and also ancient india was very wealthy like ancient india contributed i think around 23% to the total gdp this was pre colonialism So we were really rich and I wanted to incorporate all of that so like you know like in the descriptions of the palace like 
glistening arches and like jewelry and also just so much color like india was so vast right so and at that time our population wasn't what it is today so just rolling hills and flowers and people working the field and i wanted to kind of showcase all of this another reason why i did all of this was because i wanted to write the characters in a medieval setting but i also did not want to research into like european medieval settings and or like ancient europe and how and the weather and like the the kind of crops that grow there and all of these things <laughs> yeah too many details <laughs> yes and and that's the great thing about fan fiction right it's like if i don't want to do it then i don't have to do it i can just change the setting i can just make the setting a place that i'm comfortable with that i know because most fantasy and this is again something that uh, my friends at the harry potter server were talking about is that most ancient stories or like you know stories that involve like taverns and like dragons and and set and these kind of settings they're always very white like the words being used are like a, a tavern and then things like that and we don't have indian equivalents for that so one of my friends told me this really interesting thing which is even though we were, we studied english in india like in our classes we studied english and we would we would be told to write stories like we would, we would be given writing exercises and we would have to write and this is not just her like almost everyone i know we all did the same thing which is when we wrote these stories we wrote them um using uh like american names or british names for example jack did this or peter did that but there's nobody called jack or peter in india it's just that was the media we were exposed to like so we would write like jack went to the market and he bought a ball for 2 pounds and we don't use pounds and we don't use pennies we don't we don't know anybody called jack but it's because the kind of stories that were getting published at the time in and obviously it's it's not the fault of anybody like the publishers or the people writing but it's just that we were exposed to these kind of stories so we kind of internalized like okay if it's a story the setting has to be it has to be you know somewhere foreign it has to be somewhere there the people have to be white skinned and the setting has to be like it has to be london like if we had to write a story set somewhere we'd set it in london even though we have we'd have no idea what london looks like we'd have no idea what any city in the us looked like we would just imagine and we would just write So when my friend reminded me of that I was like oh my god that is so true like I remember when my brother was born I was really young at the time when my brother was born and my parents were thinking of uh, names for my brother I could only come up with names like John and George and Peter because I was reading Secret 7 at the time and there were like a bunch of boys and famous five like Enid Blyton those books I was I used to read them as a kid I was I think 6 at the time when my brother was born and I couldn't think of any indian boy names I could not I could only think of these names from these books like I don't know it's just so stories they have such a way of changing the way you perceive the world so it took me a while to unlearn that but a a big part of that was fan fiction because also the first 
time that I wrote anything, the first time that I wrote anything was this fantasy fiction piece based on a prompt from a Tumblr page that gave us writing prompts daily. The first time I wrote, like, um, I wrote about a white-skinned person, like a light-skinned person, a light-skinned girl, and another kind of like a smith who was also like light-skinned in this fictional setting, which was very reminiscent of like fantasy fiction written by like, let's say, like the Lannisters or the Starks. And it was only after I joined fandom and I saw people, like some people were writing Harry Potter as Daisy and they were doing it in passing, right? Like, I remember the first time I read a fic where Harry had brown skin. And I and, and at first, for the longest time, I thought that fic writers were just giving Harry a really, like, a really good tan. So I had no idea that they were they were actually headcanoning him as Daisy. But when I first read, like, just this throwaway two lines of Harry ordering some Indian food from an Indian place nearby and then saying that he wants to eat more food from his culture. I was like, wait, does that mean that he's Indian? And that completely changed my worldview because I was like, oh, I'm allowed to write fix like this. I'm allowed to write. um, I'm allowed to change the story in this radical manner. I can do whatever I want. Yes, we can do whatever we want in fan fiction. How incredible is that? Yes, 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 absolutely. So when I read that, I was so happy. And that is also why I will say that represent, like for me personally, right? Like I enjoy reading any type of representation because if I hadn't read that one fic where Harry literally just orders like one piece of chicken for the whole like fic, like that's the only time he interacts with his culture. It was still enough to inspire me to be like, okay, I can do this too. And then like, it spurred, like, it's inspired so Like, every fic I write about Harry and his heritage is, it came from that one experience I had reading that one fic, right? For me, like, that's the way I feel. All right. For you, it served a purpose. It served an important purpose of that awareness that, oh my gosh, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can. Whereas I get what you're saying, where how sometimes, sometimes we feel like we have to wait for permission to do something. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's unfortunate, right? But yeah, like sometimes we just need, I don't know, that sense of permission. And and sometimes just these awareness aspects of being like, oh, oh, yeah, this is allowed, right? Like I can do whatever I want, you know, Um, which is so great, because then it does lead to these beautiful things where you can freely feel like you get to express this joy in an authentic way. And I think that that's so awesome because these things should exist, you know, and they do. Thanks to writers like you and others. You know, I felt like there was a lot of joy also in Parvati in your fic about her, you know, because like before reading this fic, I didn't know that that was the name of a, you know, a goddess. Really? You know, like I loved that you incorporated that into that story. Thank you. Thank you so much. That also was inspired by my Delhi trip. Like I went to Delhi. Uh, I was there for a few for a few months, and so one day I visited the National Museum in Delhi, which is it's such a great museum. It's huge, and there are so many levels and so many um, installations, so many uh, rooms. And I was just having the time of my life. I just spent a day there, 
and I was in the South India section and I was looking at some paintings and around the same time that it was happening, the Harry Potter server that I mentioned and like the Tumblr page, they were conducting a kind of mini fest and I wanted to write something for it because obviously it's it's a fest regarding characters of color and I was so interested. I was like, okay, I really want to write something for this. But I did not have any inspiration. And so I wasn't really thinking that I was going to participate, even though I really wanted to. And then I went to that museum. And then I saw this beautiful painting, like this beautiful jewel toned painting with like gold leaf. It looked so um, luxurious and royal. And I saw it. And immediately, like I recognized that that was Parvati. And there was also like um, a kind of description of the painting to the side, right? So I was reading it and it was Parvati and her husband atop a divine bull. So that was the picture. And there were also a bunch of other like paintings surrounding that painting. But that one I was so drawn to. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, and I saw that that image and I immediately felt the need to write something about Parvati and I was like okay this is what I'm gonna do so I'm so glad that I went there I I think I also linked the picture in the fic Mm -hmm. you did like so initially I linked it um, using a discord link but then like this sadly discord is taking away that feature so I had to use I had to link it from another site and so the quality of the image has gone down a bit but it was like when I took the picture it was really clear there were a lot of so many colors it was just so interesting and vibrant and even when I started writing I did not know what it was I was going to write so it was only I just had that painting in my mind and I was like oh my god like Parvati I just want to do something happy and I want to do it relating to that painting. Like I want to recreate the way I felt when I saw that painting and I want to recreate that in a fix. So that's what I was thinking when I sat down to write it. And this is the result of that. And then like after I completed it, I realized, okay, so I saw Parvati the goddess and I related that to Parvati the character and I was, you know, and I probably wrote something. But Like at that moment, I didn't know. I just knew that I wanted other people to feel the way I was feeling, like feel the kind of happiness, the contentment. And I also thought that this would be a really cool way to, again, tell people about Parvati's name. Because like, again, I could have put that in in an info post, right? But it it hits so much, I feel, when you read, read it from this perspective, with this background, like this story of the goddess herself. And the kind of struggles that she goes through to be with the man that she loves and all of that. And I also wanted to frame it in this really nice domestic scene because I wanted to write something that depicted like a positive relationship between an Asian mother and an Asian daughter. Because again, that is not something that I see in a lot of places, like not just in fan fiction, but just in general. And I wanted this piece to just be like a short, really happy, really sweet thing. I wanted to like, I wanted people to leave that piece feeling like, you know, like content or happy or just like feeling good that they kind of shared in that joy of somebody else showcasing the way they feel about their own culture. So 
that's why I wrote that. And I didn't think so many people would read it, but quite a few people did. Because it was just a retelling of the goddess's story, but I didn't expect people to read it, but they did. And they were so sweet about it and they were so kind. So yeah, that is, it's very short. It's just 600 words, but it was one of my favorite pieces pertaining to Indian culture and heritage that I wrote. So I'm quite proud of that. Oh, and you should be. You should be. It is very short, but I'll tell you what my experience was with this fic. I mean, obviously, it was so like amazing to learn something new, right? Um, and I think that the connection between the goddess and between Parvati, the character in Harry Potter, is beautiful. I love that that story exists. What I also really appreciated about this fic is the way you structured it, because like you said, you wanted to portray that positive, you know, mother-daughter relationship in the story. What it reminded me of very much was, um, you know, going back to the first fic that we talked about, um, Connecting Lines, your OC character in that fic talks very briefly about oral tradition. And so many of us in our respective cultures have that experience of an older, wiser elder in the family passing down important stories, important information, important lore orally. This fic literally felt to me like that experience. I felt like I was sitting in a grandmother's kitchen, right? I felt like I was sitting there and an older, wiser elder from my family is telling me this story. And that meant something to me, right? Because so many of us have that experience, like I said, in our own cultures, in our own families, our own places that we come from. And I just thought that that was really special because uh, it is a, a tradition in so many different cultures of, um, yeah, oral storytelling and how important that is in uh, family structures, how important that is in uh, community structures. So I really appreciated that, that that was part of that story because I thought that that was brilliant. Thank you so much for pointing that out. That's such an interesting and also it's a really accurate thing. Like that is what I was trying to show. And you brought that up, which is great. Like, I absolutely agree, especially in cultures like my culture, which is so old and so much of it is just oral traditions. Like the whole concept of recording in in like in books, you know, it's it's very recent. So the bulk of our culture is oral. And it is also like so much like pain connected to it, connected to the fact that these traditions and these these facts, these stories, they're dying out. And I also feel like this is not something that is really talked about in cultures outside. These cultures, you know, where oral traditions are a common thing, where stories are passed down from generation to generation. So I wanted to show like how these things are done in like a very, in a modern setting, because it isn't like oral traditions are for the past and now everything is written, right? Like there's still so much uh, that is transferred down verbally that you get. Like, I still get so many, like, recipes from my grandmother. Like, she teaches me how to make certain food dishes, certain dishes and all of these things. So it's a very contemporary thing as well. And it can be a very joyous thing and a very happy thing. I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. See, and I feel like that leads perfectly into the last fic that we wanted to touch on really quick here. Um, 
this this next one. Oh my gosh. I feel like if we had more time, I have so many things to say about this fig. The title of this last one is um Will You Send Me to Hogwarts? And uh, you had actually tagged this on. We weren't originally going to talk about this one. And you wanted to tag this on. And I'm so glad that you did because this one, God, okay, like, oh my God, this was so moving to me. And I think part of that, <laughs> part of that is because I, I related in many ways to this story. But uh, the other part of it is just that I really, I think just maybe my particular taste in fan fiction. I like happy stories just fine. I, you know, I do. But I do find myself drawn also to stories that have deep elements of grief in them. And I felt like there was so much grief in this last one that just was so moving in so many different ways. Um, so I wanted to check in with you on this one um, as our last fic uh, to see, like, yeah, what are your thoughts about this one? Because... Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so glad that you read it and you have thoughts about it. Funny story, I actually thought we weren't going to talk about it because I feel like I thought I missed my chance to bring it up. So I was like, okay, we're not doing it. That's fine. But you brought it up. So thank you. So this fic, it was initially going to be in two parts. So so this fic is essentially a response to the Patil twins from their mother to the question of, will you send me to Hogwarts? So the Patil twins are asking their mom, will you send me to Hogwarts? And the mom is like, no, I will not send you to Hogwarts for these reasons. And, and this fic, I drew heavily on my own experience in England, like the process of assimilation, of how I tried to use cutlery and the kind of slang that I began to pick up and the accent that I had to use. And there's so much here, like the internalized racism, like like me thinking, like it's still present, right? Like even today, there's this belief in India that anything British, anything Western is superior to anything Indian. And um, there is definitely, there, there has been like movements and people are trying to reclaim all of that. But still, there is such a big push towards being Western, being British, like even English, right? Like the fastest way to social mobility in India, or one of the fastest ways, something that will greatly aid you in social mobility is learning English. So English is like, it's, the, it's a marker of intelligence the way it's perceived. It's a marker of intelligence. It's a marker of privilege. So if you can speak good English, it means that you are privileged. You know, it's it's like, it's all of these things. And so because there is this push towards English being such a core part of becoming a quote-unquote better person, like you, if you know English, you will have better job prospects. If you can speak better English, you will, you know, um, you are more marketable and you get chosen for all these high posts and also the kind of circles that you will go around in. So English is so useful for all of these things. And because of that, they hold English in such a high regard and subsequently everything from English culture, right? So if you use cutlery, you're considered upper class, you're considered sophisticated, 
even though eating with your hands it's literally it's our cultural habit it's passed down from generations and people grow up eating food with their hands and get if you go out into a restaurant like you know a really really fancy like five star hotel and you eat with your hands that you will rarely see people eating with their hands so there's always this kind of aspirational view of the west in that that is what i aspire to be and also this also again ties into like colorism colorism is a big thing in india where like being lighter skinned is equated with being fairer so it's all these things and so i feel i was talking from the perspective of parvati's mom but really i was kind of it was kind of on a personal note a letter from me to me like i wish i had not spent so much of my life abroad because i felt so disconnected from my culture and i spent so many years trying to distance myself from my culture because that is what i was being taught to do that was what everyone around me was doing at the time so i spoke with the accent like so many british people they would like would like when i met them they'd be like oh you have the accent like you can speak like you have the accent they'd compliment my english they'd say your english is so good and i basked in those compliments i was you know it was a, and then for me to unlearn all of that and realize that no it's there was so much of internalized feelings of inadequacy vis-a-vis my own culture and obviously i'm not saying that if you live abroad you are going to be disconnected completely from your culture and it's bad and i'm not saying that people should not go abroad and settle there are ways in which you can live in another country while maintaining roots and maintaining connections to your culture in a very meaningful and authentic way and i think that's definitely possible so this is this fic is kind of it's it's a bit flawed in the sense that it makes a lot of assumptions like this will happen this will happen no not necessarily that these things will happen but it it also came from a place of like deep pain that you will kind of forgo all these parts of yourself to try to pretend to be someone you're not and at the same time you will forget the things or you will fail to appreciate the things about your own culture that are so beautiful like your language for example like the language that i speak that is my native language it's older than latin so it is really old and the literature it's incredible the amount of literature that has been written in my language like from the turn of the millennium up to the present like so much literature so many interesting stories in beautiful verse beautiful poetry and the thing is like when you aspire to english you leave behind this rich heritage and you know you fail to appreciate your own language and all those things so i wanted to kind of put down everything i felt about these things into this fic and just say like this is just that this is me all my regrets on a page essentially but that turned really sad like i don't have regret like i don't regret things anymore like everything is a learning experience right and um obviously from living abroad like it's a, it's a whole new experience and there are a lot of positive things you can pick up from other cultures as well but i just wanted this to be really raw and really painful and that's kind of what it was but like if i can add a couple more lines so i i did write a sequel to this 
a letter. I haven't posted yet because it's still kind of it's still kind of raw, and I haven't like fine tuned it yet. But the sequel is a letter from Parvati's father to Parvati and Padma, and uh, their father tells them that he will send them to Hogwarts because I kind of wanted to mention the other side of it as well. For example, I know we talked about caste earlier and a lot of people in India, like sometimes when they go abroad, they shed that stigma of caste because caste doesn't exist anywhere outside India. You're all the same kind of Indian, right? Like no British person is going to say like you're an upper caste Indian and you're a lower caste Indian because they don't know it. So it is in some ways for a lot of people very good like it helps a lot to kind of leave the country and go to another country simply because even if you say my name is cat manual scavenger like that's the way names are in india like the last name your surname is your caste name so even if you go abroad yeah. and say like my name is cat manual scavenger nobody is going to know that you are of that caste or if they know they're not going to care and so because of that, so Parvati's dad tells Parvati that when she goes to Hogwarts in England and the hat calls her name and the hat says, calls her last name and then her first name and calls her to the front, nobody will blink because nobody will recognize that her last name is from this lower caste because I had canon Parvati's dad as being Dalit. So he says, you will be able to shed this stigma. Like right now you have my last name and everywhere you go, that will follow you in India. But if you go abroad, you can escape all of this. So that's kind of um, what I wanted to write as well. I have not done with it yet. Also, because this is another kind of topic where I'm not speaking from my own experiences directly. But at the same time, I wanted to do it justice, which is why I'm taking my time with it. But I just wanted to talk about both sides of the story. So as to not take away from people who want to go abroad for a better life or to escape certain social stigmas, it can be a great thing for so many families. So um, I wouldn't say this is like the most accurate depiction of a POC experience. It is just like my experience of like being displaced from my homeland, even temporarily, not displaced, um, let's say, like, I moved to another country. Yeah, we'll see. And I think that's one of the reasons why I appreciated this fic so much is because of that authenticity of duality in the experience, because things and experiences can be two different things at the same time. They can be both beneficial and they can be really, really hard. And there can be loss there, too. And I think that both things can be true at the same exact time. And that's okay. That's okay that we acknowledge that. And that's okay that we have complicated feelings about things that sometimes, what's the word I'm looking for? Opposite. They can be two opposite things. And sometimes you're sitting there going, man, why do I feel like, so many opposite things about this this experience but that's so real though that's so real i mean like i feel like that is a fascinating topic to like cover in any story is the, the, the you know the 
the experience of duality because that's so real for so many of us, you know. I appreciated this fix so much for for lots of different reasons, but this reminded me so much of my my father because um he chose to come here to the states from his country. He was a young man when he decided to do that, but it's just so interesting this line that you put in here when you said and when you come back you will be a stranger in your own home. And I've asked my father about his experience so many times because, you know, it's not my experience, it's his, but I'm always so interested in it. And he has told me so many times that he has felt that leaving his country and then not really being able to go home in the same way. It's never the same when you go home after that, you know, like it will never be the same. And I also really appreciated that this fic was in the form of a letter. And the reason I say that is because I have asked my father again so many times about why he chose to come here and what that experience was like. And he told me so many times that coming to another country was his dream. He was the only person in his whole family that decided to do that. The rest of his family, he left behind. And I know... That even though his family, his mother and father, never outright told him that they were sad about his decision, right? They never outright told him, don't do it, you know, like you're going to lose so much by doing this. In the end, they supported him and everything. But I always knew, because I've talked to my grandparents, I always knew that they in some ways felt that grief and that loss that he left. But they never said that to him. And so when I was reading this fic and the fact that it's in the form of a letter, you know how sometimes we have these feelings (laughs) because of circumstances and those feelings are so big, but sometimes we don't feel like we can or we should express those feelings to the people that we want to express them to. So sometimes we write those things in a letter, a letter that we never send. And after I was done reading this fic, it made me wonder if Parvati's mother wrote this letter with the intention of never giving it to her, never actually sending it, if that makes sense. Because I felt this, like, I got this sense that she wanted to, I don't know, I think as a mother, right? As a mother, you want to support your children's dreams and you you want them to have experiences, right? But then you also feel this grief and, and maybe this loss over it. And you don't want to discourage your children, right, in their dreams and all of that. But you also have these like really difficult, hard, heavy feelings. Yeah, after I was done with this, I just thought, man, I wonder if this is one of those letters that she's just going to fold up and put in an envelope and maybe she'll put it somewhere in her house and she'll never send it, that she just needed to get these feelings out somewhere. So she did it in a letter. But uh, it was beautiful. I I just want to thank you so much for talking to me about your experience with this, like the way you felt, the things you felt about this and how it resonated with you. It makes me so happy to hear that I was able to strike a chord with you. And also the thing you said about whether Parvati's mom ever actually sent this letter. I hadn't thought about that. But like you said, 
having Parvati's mother not send it, it's my new canon for this week. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so it just adds that extra layer of depth that I was missing because my idea with, with this was not to say, like, Parvati's mom knows she's not being completely reasonable. Like, it's just her fears and her pain, like, you know, in a letter. But she doesn't completely mean it. So how do you portray that? You show it by making Parvati's mom not show Parvati and Padma the letter, which is, it's perfect. And that's exactly what I was trying to go for, which is, like, Parvati's mom never actually tells them any of this because they do end up going to Hogwarts. But these are just her fears. So that is a perfect way to show that, like, like her keeping, you know, putting all of her, like pending all of her fears down and then keeping it to herself because ultimately she knows that despite all of these things, going abroad might be the best for them. So like that is such a, I mean, I'm so glad that you said that and I really like that. So yeah, thank you for saying that. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for sharing your fan fiction with us. Um, Of course, we're going to have all the links up on the show notes so people can check these out, which I highly, highly, highly encourage because not only are these um, so well-written, but they're so thought-provoking and they're so interesting. I loved reading every single one of them, and I know that all of you will too. I had two more questions for you. <laughs> and we're going to try to get through these quickly. I, I, I know I feel bad about that because I feel like these are really important questions. But I feel like a lot of people in fandom, and again, I want to state that I feel like most people are coming from places of like good faith. But I feel like a lot of people in fandom and the fan fiction community, because they're coming from those places of good faith, they do want to understand these issues better. And I feel like most reasonable people in our community want to help make these communities more welcoming and more respectful places for POC creators. But sometimes it seems like the discourse can be very overwhelming and confusing for people, especially people who these are not their lived experiences, right? So I'm wondering from your perspective, are there any things that you can suggest people to do that can help make our communities more welcoming and respectful places for POC creators? Yes, absolutely. So I have three suggestions. And the first is to engage with the content of POC creators. Now, obviously, you can't know who is a person of color and who isn't. But if you see fics about POC characters, you don't have to go out of your way, but it would be nice if, you know, you supported these creators and like commented or just a kudos, like it goes a long way. It really helps to encourage people of color to write more about their cultures because it is like a burgeoning kind of uh, phenomenon that's happening right now. We would love to have that encouragement. It would really spur us on to write more, to express our culture more. So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is to participate in these fandom events, particularly fandom events centered around characters of color. 
So, for example, in Harry Potter, like the Harry Potter Tumblr page, like they keep on um, bringing like so many new events to the fandom. Like, you know, like they have like a Diwali mini fest and then they have just like other kind of activities that we can do. So, and I just want to tell people who are not people of color, if you want to write a character of color, please go for it. Do not be afraid. Like, just, you know, just do your best and, like, participate in these events. Write characters of color into your fix if you can. And if you are a person of color who would like to create a space for people of color in your fandom, like, go for it because I'm sure, like, people of color are everywhere. So, like, there will always be other people who will be ready, ready to do it with you. So, like you you can take the initiative if you would if you want to but if not like as somebody who is not a person of color like please like participate and because by participating in these events and in these activities and in these spaces you are making this space bigger you are making this space grow you're making it accessible to a wider audience so for that reason participate and finally if you do think to include a character of color in your fic then do your research, um, use a sensitivity reader. Writing with color on Tumblr is a resource that I do use quite a bit to write my characters. You can send in asks or you can look at the numerous info posts that they have pinned. The account is run by people of color and they do a great job of kind of helping you through the writing process. And I've seen a lot of people ask like really specific things, really specific requests, and they always get such great responses, such detailed responses. Example, like I'm writing this character in this fantasy world um, with this particular power. Is this all right? How do I go about this? Like no matter how specific or broad your question is, they um, are always, you know, they're great at giving you the answers. And I'm sure there are other sites as well. But even without like just going online and doing some research on the culture that you're representing would be great. So that if you can use a sensitivity reader. And I would also like to add link your sources. So if you are writing about a particular issue or a particular festival or a particular cultural activity, it would be great if like people linked their sources. So other people could go back and then read about it. But again, this is like, if you don't want to do this, it's fine. But it's just that I love to learn about other people's cultures. And if I know where someone got a particular piece of cultural information from, and then I could go back and read more about that, I would love that. So this way, you know, you're not only like normalizing POC characters and encouraging POC creators, you are also um, giving people information about their culture, which is really cool and also helps to legitimize your story just a little bit more because there are sources to it and to your research so yeah these are the things i would say people can do to make fandom spaces more inclusive for people of color perfect thank you and thank you for mentioning those resources we'll make sure that the links to those also get up on the show notes so that people can find them last question of the day are there any other fandom creators that you would like to shout out on the podcast yes Okay, I have so many, but I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. So first, for creators of color, I love 
crazy but good that is their name they're a jari writer and they're um desi and they were actually my sensitivity reader on the first portion like the punjabi portion of my connecting lines lines connecting crimes fix so they write really really nice desi jari they incorporate a lot of like desi jari elements into their stories and it's always such a treat such a pleasure to read and it's always incorporated in a very like seamless fun way and all their fics are really upbeat and like happy like with respect to harry and his culture so like definitely recommend crazy but good and secondly um lemon fractals another desi writer they write the most amazing desi jari fics and again incorporation of culture at its finest it's so good i love the way they talk about like their cultural experiences and they incorporate that into jari so that's another creator and more generally like i have like so many people so i would say like nana rama the person i wrote one of my fix for as a as a gift like she is also a brilliant writer with so many different pairings so many tropes i mean like just beautiful prose and then venomous barbie i think she was on the show oh my god i love their writing so much also like the exploration of the magical structure pure bloods half bloods muggle bonds was something i found really interesting and not done anywhere else like so that is like something that's really cool and also left side down another one of my friends who is a brilliant writer and when it comes to jari fix i'm so sorry just a few more so when it comes to jari specifically um mm-hmm. i have again like so many recs like so many people like there's rainstorm radish who is such a good friend and writes brilliantly and then uncanny cerulean they're also a brilliant writer and april city days these are writers that i admire so much and i look up to so much their writing is so much so much fun it's it's so interesting their prose is so beautiful and i just love reading their fics so just wanted to mention their names excellent thank you so much of course we'll get them linked up on the show notes as well sleep static this has been epic this has been amazing i'm so glad that you were able to come on today and talk about these topics with us thank you so much for offering to do that for us today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me, for listening to me, for like giving my rambling thoughts some structure through this episode. I really appreciate it so much. Your thoughts, they were also insightful and you told me like such you gave me such nice compliments and such kind words as well. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Check out her stories on AO3 and give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Rolling.